Hello and welcome to a very special Christmas episode of Word Wednesday. I am going to be reading to you a couple of excerpts from John Keel's The Mothman Prophecies. Why did I choose this book to read? Because I'm currently reading it uh, in July of 2021. I, as you probably know, pre-record all of my episodes, but I'm currently reading it now. Uh, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it and my husband bought me a little resin statue of a mothman because he's totally my jam at the moment. Uh, I also am enjoying the way John Keel writes uh, and I'm a huge fan of Hellier and a couple of the things he writes about in his book made me, reminded me of a couple of things uh, I think about Hawaiian mythology that kind of matched up and mm, I don't know I guess gave some credence to some of my crazy theories and because it is a special episode of Word Wednesday on Christmas I will talk about a little bit why I chose uh, both of these two excerpts that I'm going to read. So here is the first excerpt from the Mothman Prophecies by John A. Keel. Remote areas of the world are still said to be inhabited by harpies and winged humans. On July 11th, 1908, the famous Russian traveler V.K. Arseneyev was trekking along the Govili River when he had this encounter. I saw the mark of the path that was very similar to a man's footprint. My dog Alpha bristled up, snarled, and then something rushed about nearby, trampling among the bushes. However, it didn't go away, but stopped nearby, standing stock still. We had been standing like that for some minutes. Then I stooped, picked up a stone, and threw it towards the unknown animal. Then something happened that was quite unexpected. I heard the beating of wings. Something large and dark emerged from the fog and flew over the river. A moment later, it disappeared into the dense mist. My dog, badly frightened, pressed itself to my feet. After supper, I told the Udehe men about this incident. They broke into a vivid story about a man who could fly in the air. Hunters often saw his tracks, tracks that appeared could only be tracks that appeared suddenly and vanished suddenly in such a way that they could only be possible if the man alighted on the ground then took off again into the air. That is a quote from Yuri B. Pentranko's book, Forerunner of the Flying Lady of Vietnam, Flying Saucer Review, Volume 19, Number 2, March, April, 1973. In Mexico, uh, the rest is a continuation from John A. Kill's book, The Mothman Prophecies. In Mexico, there are stories of the Icalls, tiny black men endowed with the power of flight, who live in caves and kidnap humans. In India, the giant bird, known as the Garuda, is an important part of the mythology. The gods Vishnu and Krishna traveled around the heavens on the back of great Garuda. North American Indians have extensive legends about the Thunderbird, a huge bird said to carry off children and old people. It was accompanied by loud noises, hums, 
buzzes and apparently rumbles from the infrasonic and ultrasonic levels. Known as Piazza to the Indians of the Dakotas, it was supposed to have terrifying red eyes and a long tail. End quote from John A. Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies. So the reason I chose that little excerpt to read is that in Hawaiian mythology, there is also a bird man or a thunderbird. I think it's more of a, I think maybe it's both. There's a bird man and a thunderbird. For some reason, the name of the bird man in Hawaii totally escapes me at the moment. Uh, there is a picture or there's a mural that they did at our school gym where he's on there. I'll try and remember to photograph it and put it on Instagram. Um, and there's also a story of a legend of a kahuna or like sorcerer from Molokai whom the bird person would come and visit. I'm not sure if they're male or female. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that there's a mythology of a bird person in all of these different cultures. The other thing I thought, uh, or have thought for some time now, and it's more of a question, but the sightings that people, ancient people have reported about seeing thunderbirds, and then if you look at the totems of, uh, like, native, uh, I don't want to say Native American, but the Native people of the American, the Native tribes of the continent of America, um, or even in Canada, you'll see that the totems kind of look like or have the shape of an actual airplane in the sky, which made me ask the question, were some of the Thunderbird sightings actually airplanes and you may be like what that doesn't make sense at all because airplanes didn't exist back then and you would be right if you were looking at it through the lens of linear time i however am choosing to go with the uh theory construct belief that all time exists at once so past present and future i also have this kind of crazy theory that like when people see bigfoot sightings or other cryptoids that it's like a sliding of dimensions and that the cryptoid peeks through so within my theory of some thunderbirds being airplanes it would be that reasoning that there's like some sliding of time or dimensions in which Native people were seeing an invention that wouldn't be invented for hundreds of years. I think this because of the description of the Thunderbirds, uh, that it's loud and it sounds like thunder, which if you listen to an airplane fly overhead, it definitely sounds thunderous. The shape of the uh, Native tribes of the Americas looks like the silhouette of an airplane in the sky, including the red lights, which are the lights that flash um, when an airplane is flying overhead. I, however, still do think that actual Thunderbirds did exist. Like the cryptoid, the creature, I 100% thought they do think they existed. Um, but I also think it might be airplanes because why the heck not? Okay, so for quote number two from this book by John A. Keel, The Mothman Prophecies, it also has to do with Hawaiian mythology. 
hello which probably sounds really weird in the middle of an episode but i just wanted to say that it is a week or so later and i'm finishing recording this episode it's july uh 28th and i have finished reading the mothman which was turned out to be a really great book one of the things I'm learning about podcasting is it's a lot easier to do uh, when I have the uh, mindset for it and the energy and the time and the space. So continuing on, uh, I'm going to read you two more excerpts from the Mothman Prophecies. The second one, which I said previously, <laughs> is also uh, reminding me of something about Hawaiian mythology regarding Menehune. But first, let me read to you this excerpt from John Keel's The Mothman Prophecies. The Cherokees have a tradition, according to Benjamin Smith Barton's new views of the origins of the tribes and nations of America, 1798, that when they migrated to Tennessee, they found the region inhabited by a weird race of white people who lived in houses and were apparently quite civilized. They had one problem. Their eyes were very large and sensitive to light. They could only see at night. The fierce Indians ran these moony-eyed people out. Did they move to West Virginia to escape their tormentors? There are still rumors of an oddball group of albino people in the back hills of Kentucky and Tennessee. But there are also myths and rumors of mysterious people living in the hills of New Jersey, 40 miles from Manhattan. End quote from the Mothman. So the reason I chose that quote is because uh, a friend of mine and I have a theory. If you don't know anything about the mythology of Lanai, and I may or may not have talked about this in an episode, so if I did, I'm sorry. If not, here it is. Uh, there's the story of Ka'ula La'au who got banished to the island of Lanai because it was inhabitable. It was uninhabitable because it was inhabited by ghosts. So no one could live here because I guess the ghosts would fuck with them. Uh, but Ka'ula La'au was the son of a chief on Maui and he would tear up the garden and you couldn't have that back then because people needed to eat. So they banished him here. And what he ended up doing was tricking all of the ghosts and killing them. And then thus making the island of Lanai inhabitable. Um, the Hawaiians have a really rich history of ghost interaction. And I do believe after much contemplation that they could literally just act with that ghost interact with that ghost realm like they were literally interacting with ghosts it wasn't just like a metaphor or imaginary or whatever um however i do not think when this is my personal opinion i've never heard anyone else say this and i've never talked with anyone else about this except the friend that i had the theory with uh that they that the ghosts on Lanai were actual ghosts, I think they were probably a different race of people, like white-skinned people. And that's what that little excerpt from the Mothman um, reminded me of. What I also want, what it also reminded me of 
is uh, this book that my great aunt Alice L. Tavares wrote about the history of our family on Maui. So the book is called Hub of My Wheel, A Portuguese Family Memories on Maui. <clears throat> Story told and edited by Alice, Alice L. Tavares. So I guess writing runs in my family. But the reason it reminds me of this book is there is an excerpt uh, about, I don't even know how many greats it would be. Great? Great? Great, great, Grandpa? Oh, on Maui. And him seeing uh, Menehune. So here's an excerpt from my aunt's book, The, uh, the Hub of My Wheel. Leaving Grove, leaving Grove Ranch for reasons unknown, Pu'une'e Grandpa moved his family to Wahe'e to work with Wahe'e Dairy. Pu'une'e Grandpa had extraordinary experiences when walking to the dairy at 2 o'clock in the morning. He would see the Menehunes, small native Hawaiian people, riding and playing with the calves. Even before seeing the Menehune, Grandpa knew that they were at the cow barn in the coral, corral playing with the baby calves. He could hear the menehune laughing. Many times, Pu'unene Grandpa hid in the barn and peeped through an opening in the wooden board to watch them. Some of the menehune would be up on the corral fence. Others would be outside looking in and a few would be inside the corral playing <clears throat> and riding the calves having so much fun. The Menehune fell off the calves and got back on again. Some of the Menehune were so little that they had a difficult time getting back on the calves. A few times, the Menehune sensed that Grandpa was close by and watching them. When this happened, the Menehune stopped playing, listened, and ran away. When asked if Pu'unene Grandpa knew if the Menehunes came from the ocean nearby or, up, or from up in the valley, Grandpa said, I don't know. As if to say, what does it even matter where the Menehune came from? When Grandpa came home from work, he would be very excited to talk story when the Menehune were at the barn. He would repeat what he saw over and over again. My grandfather was a man of his word and I believe his story was credible. I am happy that Grandpa had the privilege of seeing the Menehune and could share the story. Respecting my Pu'unene grandpa, I will keep the true legend to be known and never forgotten. End quote from my Auntie Alice's book, Hub of My Wheel. So I feel like because, well, there's a period in time, not so much anymore, where I thought I had Menehune in my yard. This was several years ago. We had gotten like a little uh, fairy door in England. It's just this little door you can hang up and it's a, for you in your garden and it, they called it a fairy door. And I had put that up and then I felt like we had Menehune in our yard. I don't really think they're there anymore. Um, but so I had that experience. And then when I read that in my auntie's book, that like kind of helped to uh you know it was like more evidence that what I was experiencing maybe wasn't like completely crazy and then reading that in John Keel's book also adds more credence to it because perhaps there wasn't just an like a race of little people which if you do the look it up online 
they have found uh, tiny skulls throughout the world and skeletons, and it's not babies. They're like full-grown adults. Um, so there is a history of little people throughout the world. Uh, and yeah, so it just kind of made me think like, oh, maybe it wasn't such a crazy thought that I thought I was being haunted by Menehune. And if you don't know, Menehune are just like little people in Hawaii. They could be like mischievous or they would help you build things. It's interesting that in my aunt's book, she calls them native Hawaiian people because I've never seen that referred to. Like, I've never seen anyone say that before. So that was kind of interesting that she said that in there. Um, but I I grew up understanding them as them being more of like a mythological thing. But now I'm thinking they were actually real. Uh, and not of like, well, I mean, maybe. I was going to say like not of like the fairy realm which is kind of like, I think what they kind of were thought of, but like actual maybe people, I don't know. Lots of strange things to contemplate on this Christmas morning. The last and final quote that I am going to read from the Mothman is something towards the end of the book that just tickled me <laughs> to no end because I think Keel wrote this book in the 70s but he did a lot of his research like in the 60s so it's very like of that time period and mindset there's several times where he talks about women that he's interviewed and he calls them shapely never does he say that about the male figure <laughs> so like some of the, some of the descriptions or like things he says are here i'm like i roll 2021 um, but I love this little passage because it's so like hardcore uh, 1950s detective go get him. Uh, and I think it gives you a little peek into what John Kill probably dealt with on a day to day basis, which whew, sounds like a lot for me. All right. So this is a excerpt from John Keel's The Mothman. Finally, I returned to my New York apartment at 2 a.m. in early December nursing a heavy cold, a souvenir of the freezing West Virginia rains, exhausted. Before I even had a chance to take off my coat, the telephone jangled. Dan Drayson was on the line, and I had never heard him in such a state. His normally calm voice dripped with terror. How can I stop all this, Keel? he cried. Stop what? All the things that have been happening. I want to quit. I want out. Look, I just got in. What's wrong? What's been happening? Everything. I can't take it anymore. I knew Dan didn't drink or take drugs, and I certainly never expected him to go to pieces. There's only one way out, Dan. This damn thing becomes an obsession, a fixation. The only way to stop all the nonsense is to stop thinking about UFOs. Get rid of all your files. Take up stamp collecting or chasing women. The UFO business is emotional quicksand. The more you struggle with it, the deeper you sink. I finally calmed him. A few days later, he gave me part of his files and destroyed the rest. I returned his files to him a year or so later. I asked him many times about what prompted that frantic phone call, but he would never discuss it. End quote from John Keel's The Mothman. 
Oh, man. I got to read it again because it's so good. I'm so sorry. Get rid of your files. Take up stamp collecting or chasing women. The UFO business is emotional quicksand. The more you struggle with it, the deeper you sink. Ain't that the truth, John Keel? <laughs> if for some reason you've watched Tellier and you're super into it, you totally get that sentence. Uh, it also reminds me of a line from the Mothman Prophecies movie, which if you did not know, they made a movie called The Mothman Prophecies. Uh, it's not like exactly what happens in this book. It's more of a uh, retelling or like, I guess, a story inspired by all of the stories in the book. Um, and supposedly he was, Keel was actually really happy with the movie and he felt like they captured the essence of activity but the quote from that movie goes something like uh when you stare into the abyss the abyss stares back at you so yeah i also feel like like that quote is really scary sounding but it also reminds me of i think i talked about this things like retro causality or phenomena like tulpas or egregores um i feel like i've talked about it so i'm not going to talk about it again here but if you don't know what any of those things are check it out and if i haven't talked about it shoot me a comment or something and i will talk about it because that's kind of a fun subject um so that's it for this very special episode of word wednesday on christmas day i hope you had a fun spooky time uh and ooh, i don't know if i have any more episodes coming out this year but season two does start on January 1st, 2022, we will be going through the rest of the major arcana of the tarot. And I do have a Patreon page if you are interested in that. One of the tiers is getting my poetry in the mail. So check that out. Uh, Contemporary Hawaiian Poetess. Have a very Merry Christmas. I hope Santa brought you whatever it is you wanted. Goodbye.